Roddy Yeager to Jagger wants it back. He gets it back and leaves it through for Holby. Oh, it's off the line. It's off the line. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Off the Line podcast by Your Football Journal. Today is Friday, 23rd of October, and I'm joined today by the usual Caleb John and Vishnuji. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon, George. Well, good morning. How's it going, George? It's going okay. It's going okay. It was a busy two two days for us, watching all the Champions League fixtures. I think we got most of the covered most of the right ones. I think. And yeah, we're going to break it all down for you guys, starting with United PSG, then moving swiftly on to Chelsea versus Sevilla, as well as doing a little breakdown of Liverpool Ajax and finally finishing off with the immaculate victory of Bayern Munich against Atletico Madrid. So without further ado, let's get right into it. And the first match was Manchester United 2, PSG one at the Parc de Princes in Paris. I want to ask you, Caleb, first from a reaction point of view, how how good did that win feel? Sit down to all the haters. That's what I would say, and that actually goes including to me at some point because I was starting to lose faith in this team, and then uh, they pulled that kind of performance out of the bag, which is so unexpected. Coming into the game. Um, we didn't have Maguire, which became a blessing in disguise. Um, the team really rallied around the fact that Bruno became the captain. And um, Maguire's replacement, Axel Twanzebi, was absolutely immaculate in this entire game. He had uh, he had a lot to do against Mbappe and Neymar. And there was so many times where Mbappe was like, you know, on the run. He was through on goal and Axel would just make such a good recovery run and get him off the ball, always clean. And the kid showed so much, you know, mentality and grit in that game. And after the game, in the post-match interview, he came out and said, after all, we are the bigger team. We want to dominate and we want to get the three points. That kind of attitude has to be instilled throughout the squad. And uh, I thought, again, Aaron Van Basaka, after all the memes and trolls that he was getting on the very same day, about his personal life, put on an amazing performance again. He was on that same side as uh, Twan Zebi was. And they kept Mbappe and Neymar quiet, which was obviously the biggest threat. Uh, going, I mean, looking at the PSG side of things, they were terrible. That really helped United's cause. Their defense was really shaky. They played a very high line as well when they, start, when they started to chase the game, understandably. Uh, Rashford had few opportunities run clean through on goal uh, where a few you know, misjudgments of what he should do. It could have been easily 4 or 5-1 in my opinion. Uh, United played really good and I think Ole also deserves a lot of credit. He changed the system. Uh, he went with a back three or a back five, however you want to look at it. With Tellez making his debut as well, who looked really solid in that left wing back position. His crossing looks really good. I'm excited to see that uh, the rest of the season. And I thought that Luke Shaw uh, at left centre-back also fit in like a glove. And we had the defensive stability that we haven't seen in a long time. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure where this leaves Harry Maguire now because against Chelsea, if Twanzebe doesn't start, I think there's going to be another type of revolt outside Old Trafford because he was so good 
uh, I can't reiterate that enough. And the fact that he his last game was almost a year ago against Colchester, there's levels to this, and he just stepped up so so well. And I'm really proud of the team, and I'm so happy that we beat the with we beat the oil money of PSG, George. I'm sure you can agree with me on that. Oh, 100 percent, and 100. I I think it's for me personally. I, I dislike them so much in in Europe. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with almost, sorry, I agree with everything that you said. I think uh, starting off with Bruno's captaincy, uh, this is his first game, I think, him being captain. So I've got nothing to compare it to. But so I, I have no idea how he's like on the pitch. I don't think any of us know about that, how commanding is. But one thing that you have to give him credit for was his work rate. He worked so hard during that game. He started out, he was at the top of the, the front threes at times when they were pressing. And he was sometimes the guy who initiated the press. He was also the guy that stood at the edge of the box for United corners and would track back and make sure that they weren't hurt on transition. He was almost everywhere on that pitch. He was supporting midfield. He was a creator. And I think that that shows such a good that sets, sorry, such a good example for the rest of the team. And I think that's what a captain should do. And that should bring at least some sort of doubt to Ole and his managerial team when deciding who to, you know, who to uh, place as captain for each game. Um, other than that, uh, like you said, Tanzibi had a really good game and AWB as well, who had, who, and PSG kind of played into their hands because Mbappe and Neymar had almost identical uh, average positions, uh, especially before they changed formations. So when they were still playing the 4-3-3, uh, they were almost had identical positions on the left-hand side. So it became very easy for Twanzebe and for AWB to kill two birds or Two, yeah, two birds with one stone. I was going to say two birds with two stones, but now it's two birds with one stone. <laughs> but yeah, and and regarding Ole's tactics, I think more than anything, it was his reaction to whatever Tuchel tried to do. So I, I earlier said that PSG started off with that 4-3-3. And they were, yeah, they were okay um, in, that, in that shape. But then they wanted more creativity. So they brought out Moise Keane and Neymar went into like this four in this number 10 role in this 4 2 3 1. Personally, I like to see him there uh, more than out on the left. I think he is more dangerous when he's coming down the center because he can find room in the center that no other players of his caliber can do. But the problem is that his defensive work rate is absolutely minimal. So what happens is when Kozawa goes up, so their back three, their back four has now become a back three they are susceptible on the counter. And you saw so many times at Rashford getting the ball on that right-hand side where there's this huge gap left by Kozawa. You've got Kimpembe there trying to cover for that space. And he's in a role that he doesn't, he's probably not used to. And he, 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 he loses the ball and Rashford's thrown on goal multiple times. So, and Ole countered this 4-2-3-1 tactical shift by um, converting to of their usual back four with a three-man midfield with Pogba, four-man midfield, sorry, with Pogba, Bruno, Fred, and McTominay. And that gave them so much stability in their midfield. Uh, whereas before, it was almost 
McTominay and Fred doing all the running. But <clears throat> but uh, then with the addition of Pogba, it, it they, they got so much more in numbers uh, in that midfield. And he actually transitioned to uh, McField Diamond in the closing exactly. of the game. Yeah, and I really, and, uh, really enjoyed that. Yeah. I really enjoyed seeing United play like that. Yeah, go on, Kira. Uh, another thing was Martial and Rashford started up front. Like, strike first partnership, like we haven't seen before. Usually, one of them plays out wide. And I felt like Martial's game has improved so much in terms of, you know, just holding up the ball and playing with his back against goal. And he has that, you know, that flair and that trickery to turn a man and get in down that space. Uh, and Rashford as well. We have to give him credit because before that goal, he wasn't having the best of games. I, I think I did tell you guys on the group chat, like Rashford has been poor this game. It's because he was just being a bit too wasteful. But again, the, you know, that willingness to take chances to get the goal, uh, the the shot that he took that ultimately led to the goal, which was the goal, it was probably his hardest chance. So I like that he did take those chances after everything. More and we have to finally finish off uh, talking about that midfield that started the game. McTominay and Fred, Fred the pastor, you know, bless him. He was so good in that game. He was stopping everything. And he, you know, just playing out the back. And McTominay got a yellow card in the first half, and I was very worried for him, thinking, you know, one one more tackle and he's off. And you know, Neymar is obviously gonna play into that and try to get him sent off. He was so disciplined after that game. He became the McTerminator. I'm, I, I've just been blown away by this performance. Now the only thing is to keep that going and you know, get a good result against Chelsea. Chelsea have been, they haven't been firing on all cylinders. We can say that for sure. And uh, it, they look like a team that we can, we can do something against. So we need to keep this momentum up. Um, and it's such a good start for the Champions League. I couldn't be happier. Yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Vishnu. I, 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 I know you didn't watch the game, but personally, I felt that Neymar didn't have too good of a game. So I wanted to ask you what your thoughts on his hype were and when, personally, I can't remember the last time he's had a good game, but maybe you can correct me on that. I, I think he gets a lot of hate for being a bit too soft on the ball and maybe a bit cocky as well. Uh, yeah, but I think he's, he's one of the best players even right now. Maybe not as good as he was when a couple of seasons ago, but still he's got that in him. He's sort of transitioned in this PSG team from being an out-and-out goal scorer to more of a creator, as you mentioned earlier. He now likes to drop off into space, sort of between the lines, maybe in the number 10 or a false nine kind of role where he can, even if he's playing on the wing, he'll his tendency is to drop in towards that left deeper midfield role wherever he can find pockets of space, receive the ball and turn and try to create chances. So, I know he's not been uh, like taking all of the chances even in the latter games of the Champions League last season, but he is still at the heart of a lot of good things that PSG does and if he has a bad game, that really impacts the whole team as well. Yeah, 
So it still underlines and for me the kind of player that he is and how crucial he is for PSG. So I'm guessing that Neymar had a pretty bad game yesterday and that I think affects the team as well like Mbappe sort of thrives on these chances created by Neymar as he drops in and pulls defenders attracts defenders towards him it opens up space in behind for someone like Mbappe who thrives on running in behind and finishing off those chances. Yeah, personally I felt they played too close to each other to exploit that. Ne- Neymar did exactly what you said. Whenever Neymar got the ball, he attracted Fred, McTominay, AWB and Twanzebe all at you know different I'm not saying all together but then all different combinations of them double teaming, triple teaming just so that he doesn't uh create those spaces that you're talking about, but I felt Mbappe played just too close to him for them to exploit that and PSG didn't have that ability to switch the play that you you see teams so often doing right now and they I can't keep do you remember any time when PSG did any sort of long ball in the midfield to switch the sides uh, to switch the sides no they played a few balls down the line uh, to get in behind that's when Mbappe was on the point nothing you know to switch the play and even if they did they always kind of overhit it uh it goes back to the fact that they don't have a proper deep you know deep lying defender or midfielder someone like Verratti would be able to just play those passes i thought yeah. that midfield looked a little bit uh, poor uh, herrera was you know full of passion and full of running like usual uh, but you know they're breaking down of united's play that wasn't good united did a lot of you know short touch passes and they were fluid in the midfield and they could get out uh, to those basic strikers uh, i think that's where they hurt psg and uh, i just want to bring it back to the penalty as well i did mention before when this happened against us that it was uh, you know it was it was bullshit you know what had happened the retaking of the penalty and stuff i'm i'm still going to say that yeah it is bullshit it, they shouldn't retake it move on with the game i'm not going to be a hypocrite and say just because united it happened uh, okay with that i feel i still think like you know penalty shots are too easy for the goal uh, the attacker to score so i wouldn't mind you know goalkeeper rushing off the line just a little bit like how they usually do so i'll hold my hands up and say that i'm happy that we scored that goal but i still think it's a uh, stupid move right and on that note let's move to a not so happy topic that is chelsea nil Sevilla nil at the bridge. We move over to our official Chelsea correspondent, Vishnu. You want to break that down for us? Yeah. So uh, this was a weird game. As in, it's not the style of play that you usually expect to see from Chelsea, especially under Lampard, where it's been a bit too open at both ends of the pitch. And I think it's striking that it was an in-in. So it was a very cautious game. even maybe a bit too dull from the point of view of creating chances because i felt that especially chelsea were too afraid to make mistakes and trying to remain compact so as a consequence we were a bit more solid defensively i can't think of any chances that we've like clear cut chances that we've given up to sevilla and yeah so in that sense it was sort of a weird game that uh clearly lampard was trying to instill a bit more uh solidity and a bit more discipline into the defense so 
couple of things that i noticed during the game was that uh when we were pressing normally we see uh the front four and even one or at times both of the pivot midfielders be it Kante and Jorginho or Kovacic late from the game they were supporting the press and get, like getting pulled towards the ball and leaving spaces in behind this time like not that they did not do it throughout but they were mostly disciplined in the sense that the press was more conservative they didn't go around like as a team they were a bit more cautious trying to chase the ball but again this was too much at the other extreme like at the weekend you saw a lot of attacking play and very little solidity at the back and this was sort of the other extreme in the sense that we have we were defensively solid but didn't create a lot up front like werner was very isolated and even the half chances that he got he wasn't able to convert them so this is sort of uh, the problem that lampard's trying to solve right now uh with respect to the balance in the team trying to get that right balance between attack and defense especially that in the next game against united so i, I think lampard's still trying to get at his best 11 and the balance so with respect to the game uh lampard again started pulisic at right wing with mason mount on the left which again pulisic more struggling to get in the game on the right and even maybe i don't know if it's a fitness issue but i felt like he was lacking the defensive work rate normally you find with him and james on that right full back spot was getting isolated to we won against the sevilla full back and the winner so now another thing that we kept doing was instead of trying to penetrate through the center or try to progress the ball through the center we were trying to be a bit more direct by putting in long balls from the center backs and even from the goal kicks now the problem is that none of the chelsea attackers other than maybe havertz is good in the air someone like timo werner doesn't even contest for an aerial duel he's very averse to going for a header so with those kind of players who prefer to have the ball to the feet uh playing long might not be the best idea unless you have a presence like a juru or a tammy up front who can uh, act as a target man but yeah saying that it was good to keep a clean sheet and i think reece james was probably one of the best players to, uh for chelsea and uh there was edward mendy making his comeback from the injury and he looks solid as well he made a couple of good saves and at the end of the day you have to be happy with the defensive performance and hope that lampard gets it right as we go one other thing that i would like to add is that the champions league games as we know allows five substitutions and i felt that especially in the second half like at least three or four chelsea players were getting tired especially mason mount and even havertz and pulisic were getting really tired even werner up front so it was kind of weird for me that lampard only made uh like one sub in midfield which is kovacic coming in for jorginho which is more tactical because uh, rather than you know uh, to freshen things up but the f- attackers were extremely tired and looked like they wanted to come off but frank sort of held his ups towards the end of the 90 where in stoppage time he brought on two more subs 
two more subs which is kind of weird for me that he's letting the players like overworking the players a bit in an important game like this like i saw this in the spurs game as well like we conceded late on because werner was obviously very tired even mason mount in that game is very tired so i would like to see a bit more from frank in terms of in game management i think that's something that he kind of lacks when it comes to when compared to the top coaches that was me too sure. at least yeah yeah um uh, sure i just want to ask you like you know before the season for chelsea because of all the transfer activity i'm sure you were really excited and had uh you had a certain expectation level right do you think chelsea are going to meet that expectation level this season uh i think like with uh associated with any sort of exciting transfers especially some uh, window as successful as we've had uh there was as you said the expectations were sky high and i felt like lampard was trying to be cautious in his approach in saying that okay things will take time we had a disrupted pre-season and we shouldn't be too too overeager in terms of what we expect from the team and the players so in that sense it, it, it like from a fans perspective it's a bit of a letdown considering the kind of attacking firepower that we've got and not being able to manage games and get the results that we want but i and i also at the same time understand what the problems are and hopefully things get better but as you said at a club like chelsea and especially after the transfer outlet any sort of regression from last season's performance will raise questions about frank's future and i think even at this early stage there are sort of fans turning against him now that i'm one of them but i like i hear a lot of people saying that okay frank doesn't he's not good enough and he's not experienced enough while that might be true but i think it's still early for those kind of judgments but yeah but if he if he ends the season uh like as we did last time like fourth place will no longer be good enough i think fourth place would mean that his job is in danger i just wanted to ask uh So United so I I I know we're not doing previews this episode but just looking ahead to Chelsea's next fixture against United do you think United's result and Chelsea's last two results with both of them being draws do you think that has any impact on how Lampard and the players might approach this the next game I think that uh like from a team morale point of view the win would obviously help and I think United would come into the Chelsea game with a lot of confidence and especially after a great performance against a uh, team as strong as PSG and something that we saw in last season's game united were united are at their best attacking counter attacking in transition and playing on the counter so that might be something that lampard looks to curb in the sense that we might be a bit more cautious in our in, in possession trying to not give the ball away cheaply and not be so open in transition because that's where united can hurt us so i think like the 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 game might be a bit more cagey than you might expect especially after the performance against sevilla i expect a bit more balanced approach than what we've seen previously well we just have to wait and see i guess uh, big things yeah. happening this game week tomorrow isn't it yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, is it tomorrow or sunday no it's tomorrow Is there any big games on Sunday, by the way? Hmm. 
Because even last week there weren't any big games on a Sunday. No, that I think that was primarily because of the European fixtures. So maybe they were looking to finish things off for the big team, big teams earlier, so yeah, that they get a bit more rest. I think Arsenal Leicester is. Yeah, it's on Sunday night. Yeah, Sunday night. Okay. All right. So that that's cool. That's cool. It's it's nice that they've evened out the fixtures. Anyways, moving on. The next fixture that we have was. Liverpool versus Ajax. Liverpool won Ajax nil. Uh, I kind of knew that it was going to be a scrappy win, especially with all the bad luck that's happened to us so far. It was, it, I think, this kind of is what we deserve. We was in terms of xG, it was a pretty tight game. One point three seven to one point two. So Ajax slightly edged, ever so slightly edged Liverpool in terms of expected goals. But we know that expected goals are pretty convoluted stat. I think Ajax played probably played the better team. Uh, it was just down to sheer defensive performances by Fabinho and Joe Gomez. So there are a couple of takeaways that we can take from this game. One of them being that how versatile Fabinho is when he has to be called up. Uh, it was it was a solid defensive performance from him. He also he got man of the match as well as a goal line clearance. So he's listening to the podcast. I hope so. That was off. That was <laughs> off the line. <laughs> yeah, that was so. Uh, it was he, like Anavaro type. Yeah, he's 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 like a patron saint of this podcast now, or like our ambassador. Yeah. Or our brand ambassador, <laughs> you know. But but yeah, it was it was a really solid performance from me. And I think the team needed that. The team needed to know that there is a reliable source at the back when you've got someone as shaky as Adrian. Though, albeit he didn't make some really important saves, but he had a little bit of you know confusion at the beginning. But so back to the point where the team really needed the morale, that confidence boost, that someone is there, a shot stopper. Uh, you know, a plugger at the back who will, you know, nip the defense. And he, that's what Fabinho really did. And he instilled that confidence. And you saw that Joe Gomez also faded off that. And Joe Gomez also had a decent game as well. Both of them making a high number of interceptions as well as tackles and clearances. So I think that was very important. Our midfield was of concern. There was almost little going forward in terms of the midfield as well as well as in pressing Curtis Jones had a difficult game to say the least it was it was a pretty big call that club had to make in terms i mean it was an easy call because Keita was injured but it was a big moment for Curtis this is a champions league he's he start debut in terms of start starting the lineup and i think he could have perform better because we all know how good he really is. So in terms of creativity from the midfield, it was pretty poor. We usually hit them on the counters, um, especially from their corners or their set pieces. Um, but from build-up play, it was, it was less. Milner as well, you saw that he can't really last 90 minutes and it, it, it shows he was pretty washed up by the end of the game. And without any sort of leadership on that team in the midfield, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm not discounting Milner's leadership abilities, but without Henderson in that midfield, you really feel that it becomes lackluster. 
and there's a lot of there's less motivation than there could be other than that Andrew, one thing that i wanted to ask was i didn't watch the game but around about 60 minutes i think uh, klopp took off your main players and brought in yeah i was sort of squad players right was it for you was that like a flex in terms of depth or was it more of a tactical thing or just giving the players a rest or yeah like, so i'm going to i'm going to come to that so yeah so if you ask klopp he would say that it was purely tactical in terms of he needed fresh legs and he didn't want and he wasn't looking at sheffield at at any point uh and he didn't want to rest his players um this is the first time ever in the klopp era that he's taken off all three of his front men at the same time and i think just the fifth time or fourth time that he's taken and all three have come off in a game the last four or five times that that's happened it's been with comfortable wins where we're we're ahead by more than two three goals so if this was a strange scenario so i want to believe that he he did it out of uh purely for tactical reasons and in terms of game in game management he wasn't thinking about sheffield uh and it paid off uh they was there was no leg goals conceded and there was no uh he wasn't made like a laughing stock in the media because i think it would have been pretty embarrassing having a leg goal conceded and having your all three of your main men on sitting on the bench and no no sort of you know uh breakthrough for a counter and to get the get the game back on track but saying all that i think diego jota had a really sharp and lively game so did minamino and so did shakiri as well So I think the fresh leg did make a difference in a game that as you said was pretty cagey. And uh, yeah, so more than a flex, I think Liverpool fans can probably take it as a flex because that is solid depth in your attacking front three, something that we didn't never had our usual resort with Divock Origi replacing Firmino that that was normally our plan plan B, but now having this sort of plan B and something that has many permutations and combinations is an exciting prospect for Liverpool fans anyways as i conclude that on a high note let's move on to our final fixture and that is bayern munich versus atletico madrid which was an absolute rout of a match and bayern really showing that they are the champions of europe guys what do you think of that game There's only one person to talk about in this game, and that's Kingsley Coleman. He was a firecracker. My goodness! Even before he got his first goal, he was, you know, terrorizing that Atletico defense. And his second goal, especially, was so good. Like, uh, I'm just actually lost for words with that performance. I didn't watch it too closely. I was working at the time, so just kept glancing over, saw all the goals. I don't have a tactical input in that. I'm sure Vishnu. can uh, give the uh, just it's just a machine that is a german machine so efficient they move together forward you know where they flood the box so intensely uh, for the goretzka goal especially you can see i think there were at least four or five players in the box that were ready to pounce and you know hurt uh, atletico and uh, atletico played a very good game to be honest with you i felt like Uh, Vishnu had also talked about this on the group chat that 
Jean Felix must hate playing again under Simeone. He was a CDM at most parts of that game. So, yeah, it doesn't look really good for Atletico. I get bored every time I watch them. Thankfully, Bayern Munich just absolutely brilliant. Again, Kingsley Coleman, that second goal, the heel chop, and he cut the guy again. That's a goal that we're going to be talking about for a long time. And if not, that's just the Kingsley. Yeah, I think I agree with you about how good Coleman was. As in that second goal was pretty insane. Like you think he's going to shoot, but he cuts back again. And then the defender sort of gives up and he just goes. It was beautiful. Even the first goal in which uh, the Kimmich pass especially, it was something like I felt like it was insane. So okay. uh, from... Sorry? No, I, was, I agree with you. That Kimmich in that role as well, like... He's so good at passing his range. is unbelievable. And yeah. uh, Bayern always do this type of passes like that. They try to get it at the far post, just try to beat the offside. And with the pace of people like Coleman, Sani, and Nabi, when they are on the pitch, they're going to hurt any team in the world. And um, like, they look scary this season as well. Wouldn't be surprised if they reach the finals. I'm not going to say that. I know it's very early and stuff, but. Um, they look unstoppable. Yeah, and uh, to like to just uh, force the point home is how good Bayern are. They're without probably one of their most important players other than Lewandowski in Serge Gnabry, who's out due to COVID. And Christian Toliso came into the team and they still scored four goals. They didn't play Alfonso Davies, who was so good last season. Uh, they played Sule instead of Boateng. And like if you just look at that team, the strength and depth that they have is scary. Like to you know to just think about the fact that Leroy Sane hasn't played in this game. And to just see the bench and the kind of firepower that Bind can boast, it's sort of scary for any team. And Atletico was sort of a letdown in terms of like you when you think about Atletico under Simeone, they play that kind of boring football, as you might want to say, uh, in sort of a low block, playing a 4-4-2. But they're renowned for their defensive solidity and the their ability to like not concede a lot of good chances and hitting the teams on the break. But Bayern was simply too good in picking holes in that defense. And at times, you might even think that Atletico almost gave up towards the mid- midway through the second half because Bayern was simply too good and was sort of Atletico trying to reduce the damage rather than try and get something from the game. And another <clears> thing <throat> that uh, I want to yeah. point out is something that we discussed last week about how sort of English referees are pretty bad. So in this game, it was an all English uh, referee lineup or whatever you want to call it with Michael Oliver, who was again at the Merseyside derby officiating. And like in the first half, there were at least a couple of decisions which were pretty bad in my opinion. When there was a incident early on when in the first half when Muller had the ball, he passed the ball and in his follow-through, I think he made a bit of contact with Trippier and he went down screaming. And then I think there were a few seconds that passed in which like there was no foul given. And then suddenly Michael Oliver blows the whistle. And then like... Muller was shocked at how that was a foul. And then he goes on and books him. 
and then this was a perfectly fine tackle but like he gets a yellow card for it and again the towards the end of the end of the first half koke gets the ball with a perfectly fine tackle in the middle of the park but michael oliver against again books him for which what was perfectly legitimate so the problem of english referees again i felt like was sort of visible in this game as well though that bind being so dominant it was not it didn't change the game or affect the game too much but yeah i yeah that's sort of worrying from the premier league point of view where you have this level of officiating day week in week out and michael oliver was supposed to be at least i i i thought that he was one of the better ones yeah and just to head that point home the psg united game was officiated by a spanish la liga refereeing team officiating team and it was done so well the way they use the pitch side monitors and the way the the calls that the referees did and how he let the play go on it was such a fluid game and i really commend the officiating in that game so it really really heads that point home that english refereeing has to improve yeah i agree with you and uh, just to finish off on this bayern game so efficient like i mentioned before they had five shots on target and they scored four goals what more do you want from your team you make your chances you hit the target you score your goals and uh, uh, toliso also with a banger of a goal such an exciting team to watch like uh, Yeah, and the, and the, like in this game which Bayern was so dominant they were without Serge Gnabry and even Lewandowski didn't score a goal so to just like the ability in the team just even in terms of attacking prowess where they can distribute the goals among the team and not rely on a single player is something that not a lot of teams can do in the world at the moment and on that bombshell i think we're going to have to close off the the podcast um yeah Thank you so much for joining me you both for this Champions League special. Uh we're going to hope to catch you guys for the well I know I know you guys are going to be there for the Premier League game week 6. <laughs> you guys don't have a life do you? <laughs> this is the <laughs> this is the life. Well well put. Well put. You guys have any closing comments? Excuse me George I'm extremely busy you know that. Yeah, to the audience and uh, yeah please like share and if you have any feedback comment on the video uh, our podcast thank you so much and i'll join you guys soon have a good one boys yeah peace out have a nice weekend guys bye bye